0: It is a time for children this morning. I want to invite all the kids who are here to come up for our time together today. Good morning. Good morning, Hank. Good morning. Hi, Casey. Good morning, Margaret. Hey, Bennett. Good morning. Come up, come up. Oh, come up here. I think it's nice and warm up here. I know you have your warm coats on today. Good morning. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Cooper. Good morning. Come have a seat with us, Michael. You got a place? Well, I was in the hallway this morning as I think all of you, yeah, were coming to Sunday school. And as some of you were walking down the hall, I said, Merry Christmas. And you know what one person said to me? No, not Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we're getting there. We're getting there. But you know what? I think we were both right. What day? Do you remember what day Christmas was this week? Are your days all mixed up? The 25th. That's right. I brought my calendar here with me. It was Monday. It was way back on December the 25th. All right. There it is. 25th on my calendar. And here's today. That is definitely not the same day. But how many days is Christmas? Twelve days. You know, y'all are so smart. Twelve days. Twelve days. So that means not yeah you got to put a one in front of that right so there was christmas that was one two three four five six seven today is the seventh day of christmas so that means we have today and we still have what five more yeah we do christmas is such a great celebration such a great mystery that we can't just do it all on one day we have to have 12 days anybody know a song about 12 days of christmas You know the song The Twelve Days of Christmas? Yep. And for most of us it's just a funny, silly song about some really crazy gifts that somebody who was totally in love gave to the person they loved. But did you know? There's a legend, you know, and I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a legend that the twelve days of Christmas helps us learn the important things about our faith. Did you know that? All the numbers stand for something. So, you know, if you think about when people weren't allowed to be Christian and they had to be really secret about learning about their faith, this was a way to help them learn things about the Bible and about God. So now this first one, I think, is the most confusing. So don't ask me to try to list them all. But the 12, do you know the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ. Well, there's a way to go through that. And there's 12 important things that we say in the Apostles' Creed. So there's 12. Um, the next one is 11. Okay, trick question. How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. He had 12 until, 12 Judas. until Judas. And then there was only 11. So we have 11 disciples. 10, you think about 10 in the Bible? The big 10. 10 commandments. That's right. There's the 10, the big 10, the 10 best ways. Nine. Oh, I like this one. Anybody happen to know the fruits of the Spirit? Yes. Guess how many there are? Nine. Nine. Nine Love, joy, peace, patience. If you go through there, there's nine. nine. Yeah. Eight. There is a famous part of Jesus in the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, blessed are the poor, and blessed are the meek, and blessed are the poor in spirit. And if you go through, there are eight, eight Beatitudes in the Bible for us. Seven, there's a place in the Bible where ta- Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit, teaching and prophecy and healing. And if you read that part of the Bible, there's seven of those. Six. This is another one that's kind of tricky, kind of like how many disciples there were. Oh, no, we're not there yet. They we're coming to that. Mm-hmm. How many days in the first story of creation in the Bible, how many days did it take God to create? Seven, but there were actually six because he did it. You got it. Because he wrestled. There's a whole week, there's seven, but six, so those eggs, new life, new creation, and then seven to rest, five, five golden rings. It's the first five books of the Bible, the law of Moses that we just heard about in our scripture, the Torah, there are five, the first five books of the Bible, four, Bennett you were close earlier, what are there four of in the Bible? Four Gospels, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there we go, three there's lots of threes in the Bible, actually. Mm-hmm. Any? Do you know any three that has to do with Christmas? Oh, there you go. The gifts and the Magi. Three gifts. But there's another three that's really important to our faith. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're getting close to the end. There's two. How many parts of your Bible are there? Two. Old Testament and the New covenant. Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the Old and the Fulfillment of the Covenant, and one, Jesus. the partridge in the pit, Jesus, the one. And you know what? That's a lot of, like, information to try to remember. But in our song, there is somebody who's just crazy in love, giving all these silly gifts, like ten Lord's, you know, all, oh, there's some silly stuff on this list. But you know who's crazy in love with you? God is crazy in love with you. That's absolutely right and gives us this abundance of wonderful gifts. We can't even just get the gifts all in one day. In fact, the gifts don't even just take 12 days. All the year long, God is giving God's love to you and to me and to all God's children. And for that, we have that joy of Christmas with us each and every day, even if it's the day to say Happy New Year, right? Yeah, yeah. You are a gift to us and to this church, and we're going to say a prayer now and give thanks for that. Can we get Kobe in on the circle, too? There we go. As we say, dear God, thank you for the gift of Christmas, of your love, of your great, great love. We love you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.
1: Thank you, Pastor Caroline, for bringing that message uh, with our kids. i got to be honest with you. When I used to sit in the congregation on Sunday mornings and... My children would come up. I always just would clench my teeth and wring my hands, worried that my children would be over here banging on this or they would be rattling the chancel rail. Um, But I got to tell you, having kids in the sanctuary, it is a blessing. It is an absolute blessing. So parents, those kids that are up here. And they aren't really paying attention and they're banging their feet. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. We are blessed to have so many children in our midst. Um, let me ask you a question. How do you feel? Great, great, super great, cool. And the congregation is looking at me like I just lost my ever-loving mind, right? This is how we greet each other on the third floor in the loft in the morning, okay? I come in and I say, how do you feel? And they say, great great super great. Cool. Now, let's be honest. I know and you know and they know that at 9:30 on Sunday morning, they don't always feel great, great, super great. But it is a way that we can be energetic and excited and get ready to worship together and journey together in faith and that, my friends, is great, great, super great. Huh? All right. So, this morning, Our sermon text comes from the book of Isaiah, found in the 61st chapter, starting in verse 10. Listen to the word of God. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all of the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and the kings, your glory And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, this morning, we pray that you will open our hearts, open our minds to receive your word. And how to apply that to our lives in this world that we live in today. We pray all of this in your son's precious name. Amen. So here we are. The last day of 2017. New Year's Eve. And what a roller coaster year it has been. Has it not? Now, I could on any given New Year's Eve. Stand up here and say that exact phrase. And it would probably be true. But for me personally, and maybe for you, this year indeed has been a roller coaster ride. But what amazes me about this year is how quickly it went by. Anybody else feel that way? Did the year just fly by? And I remember when I was younger, people would say to me, they would say, Josh, as you get older, time passes you by more quickly. So my fear is I must be getting old because time is passing me by more quickly. But something that I thought about this week, I'm like, wait a minute. Since time is moving so quickly. Did I at any point during this past month, stop, pause, take a moment to reflect and think about what actually happened this year? Think about it. I said earlier, it's a roller coaster year. So let me ask you a question. Did you have a blessed year? Nobody? Nobody had a blessed year? Okay. We'll try this a little bit differently. If you had one of your children get married or you got married or you had the birth of a child or a grandchild, if that happened to you, say yes. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Perhaps you got a new job. Maybe you were able to purchase a home that you've been working for or a new car. Somehow, financially, you were able to achieve something. If that's happened to you this year, say yes. Maybe one of those relationships that you struggled with, maybe it worked out. Maybe you were able to forgive somebody or they were able to forgive you. Maybe... You were able to accomplish some small goal that you set for yourself. If you were able to do that, say yes. Yes. So I'm going to ask you again Did you have a blessed year? Say yes. Yes. Were you a blessing to anyone else? Someone's like, I don't know. Maybe. Nobody came up and told me. Did you intentionally go out of your way this year to be a blessing to someone? A perfect stranger? Members of your choir. See, I love it. That's right, Michael. Thank you. Amen, brother. Choir, let me ask you a question. Did you at any point during this past calendar year sit up here in the chancel loft, raise your voice in praise and adoration during any of our worship services? If you did, say yes. Yes. That's a blessing. Congregation, did you at any point during this past calendar year participate in any of the following? Reindeer Project, Night in Bethlehem, Flood Buckets, Mission Trip. Maybe you cooked a meal Wednesday night in the kitchen. Maybe you opened the door as a greeter. Maybe you passed an offering plate. Acolytes, you came in and you lit our candles. If you did any of these things during this past calendar year, say yes. Yes. All blessings that are freely given so that others can be blessed. And that, my friends, is something that we should be praising God for. Now, looking back at this year, we could all probably, truly, find things that we are grateful for and that are blessings. But if we're being honest, we cannot, absolutely cannot look back through the year and see those blessings without acknowledging the fact that we have to look through an awful lot of baggage and an awful lot of crud that doesn't look like blessings. Do we not? We cannot talk about the good... If we do not talk about the bad and the ugly, right? I mean, we could, we could only talk about the good. We could talk about all the good things that we as a congregation do right here in this building, in these four walls. We could talk about all of the good things that we see going on in the world. We could pretend like the bad and the evil and the ugly does not exist. We can sweep it under the rug and pretend like somebody else will come along and fix it. We could do that. But what good would it do? We would not be able to be fully engaged and live, truly live in this world if we did that. Could we? I say no. We absolutely cannot. I read something the other day about this very thing, and I want to read it to you. It says, we must be willing to open our eyes And see and acknowledge the bad. We have to allow ourselves to feel the hurt. To experience the sadness and pain of our brothers and sisters in this world. When we do that, we allow ourselves to be affected. And when we are affected, we can affect change. Because we are motivated to do so. And I started thinking about that. And the thing that struck me was the motivation part. You see, this is the part that nobody likes to hear. We get really comfortable, don't we? We get really comfortable. When I was in chancel choir, I got really comfortable with that routine. Coming in on Sunday morning, getting my folder, robing up and sitting up here. And waiting for the entire service for that opportunity and that chance for us as a choir to stand up and sing together. And when we were done, I would put my robe up and I would go home. And oftentimes I forgot that what the chancel choir did is a ministry. It is a ministry. But what about the congregation? Well, you're comfortable, too. Think about it. You sit in the same pew in the same seat every Sunday morning. Unless somebody has taken your seat. Right? But we get really, really comfortable. We sing the same familiar hymns during the same seasons. And that's comforting. We give the same amount, religiously, each and every Sunday in the offering plate. Right? No, not every Sunday. But it's a comfort level. We find ourselves in a position where we get into a routine and we're comfortable with that. Where we often fall short, my friends, and I say we because it's me too, is in our testimony. And I know that when I say that word, a lot of you get real scared because of exactly what it implies. Because most people think that when somebody says you have to have a testimony, that I'm expecting somebody to stand up in the middle of sanctuary and go, Preacher, I want to testify. That's not what I'm talking about. Not everybody testifies with words. Not everybody's comfortable with that. Sometimes they're more effective and better suited to give their testimony through their actions. If you've ever been on a mission trip and you picked up a hammer and nail, you are testifying. You are testifying to God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness that you've experienced in your life. Some people are more comfortable whenever they Are able to be with our children. And they can lead our children in music. And teach them to lift up their voice in song and praise to God. And that is their testimony. Others still provide their testimony through cooking in our kitchen on Wednesday nights. Others find their testimony whenever they're standing in the back of the narthex and they're greeting people. Our ushers when they pass the offering plate. Those who come in early to get our communion ready. Thank you, Jimmy Noska, wherever you're at for that, by the way. That is a testimony. And we're pretty good at doing those things right here within these four walls when we're motivated. Are we not? Sometimes when we see all of the bad and all of the evil and all of the ugly outside these walls, it motivates us to make This right here. Much better than it is out there. But if we're being honest. That is simply not enough. That is not what we are called to do. We are called to go outside of these four walls. And spread the gospel of God's love. God's grace. And God's forgiveness. That is what we are called to do. But it's hard, isn't it? It is really difficult to get motivated to go out and spread that gospel of love, forgiveness and hope and joy in a world that is filled with so much chaos and so much desperation and death and bad and ugly. It can be terrifying at times and it can certainly feel overwhelming. But that's what's out there. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And trying to find our way, trying to find our way to spread that gospel of love and of hope and of forgiveness, therein lies the challenge. You see, we as a people, we long for righteousness, do we not? We yearn for that time when we no longer have to be afraid We long and we yearn for that time when we do not have to worry about hate and evil and bad and ugliness. The people of Israel longed for the same thing. You see, we're told in this text from Isaiah, and we are reminded that the nation of Israel has been in Judah and the Babylonians have conquered Judah And they have been cast out and spread around. And those who have stayed and have been displaced to other kingdoms are subject to an authority and a rule that is not their own. Nor is it in keeping with the God that they believe in and that they love. So they have to cling to hope. And they do. They cling desperately to hope for three generations, 50 years But ultimately, the promise of God comes true for them. And they're allowed to go home. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine how elated they were? But my friends, it was not all good and well. Because you see, they went back to a city that had been decimated. There was chaos and there was death in the wake of the Babylonians. False gods, false beliefs had taken root. So once again, we read about a nation of Israel that has to pine and work in order to achieve the promise of God. Are we any different? Look back at 2017. Are we any different? Look ahead to 2018. Are we Any different? Are we not living in a world of chaos and of death where outside challenges threaten our way of life? Everything seems insurmountable at times. And yet, each and every Sunday, we gather here and we proclaim. We proclaim the promise of God. And we take it as our own. That promise of love that promise of hope and that promise of forgiveness. But my friends, what do we do with it when we leave this building? How do we do that? I want to explore that with you by making a shift and asking you a question. How many of you, by a show of hands, has ever made a New Year's resolution? How did that work out for you? (laughs) Okay, so now let's talk about this for just a second. New Year's resolutions. For me personally, I used to make New Year's resolutions as well. And usually New Year's resolutions revolve around fixing some sort of bad habit, right? Or by changing something in our lives to make it better for us. All right, give you some examples. Some people will give up sodas. Or chocolate. Or oh, that sounds like Lent, doesn't it? Actually, it does. Some people will give up fast food, sodas, chocolate, cigarettes, beer, whatever. Bad habits. Some people say, nope, I'm going to get in shape. This is one I love. I love that resolution. And you know who else loves resolutions like that? Fitness clubs. They see a 140% spike in business in January and February. You know why? Because of New Year's resolutions. At the same time, they also see the biggest decline in business in March and April. Why is that? You know why. Because we gave up. Why do we give up on New Year's resolutions? The answer, answer is simple. We give up on New Year's resolutions because when we make a resolution to change a bad habit or to make a change, a drastic change in ourselves, We are going against what we are comfortable with. We are going against what we are used to. And we dive in head first with great intentions and all the motivation in the world. Do we not? But when we don't see immediate results, what do we do? We quit and we give up. That's how New Year's resolutions work, usually. That's why I don't do them. Until this year. You knew there had to be a catch, right? This year I am making a resolution. And I wrote it down. Because I want all of you to hear me say this. Squeak. I declare that I, Josh Medlock, one single man, one single Christian man. I'm going to intentionally find a way to break down the walls that I have built up for myself. I declare that I will be vulnerable this year. That I will intentionally, truly live in a world that I know is full of the good as well as the bad. A world that is full of love as well as evil. I will no longer push out the bad, the evil and the ugly of this world from my mind and pretend that somebody else is going to come along and fix it. I will acknowledge and embrace the fact that I have been given a promise of hope, a promise of love and a promise of forgiveness. And I also declare that I know that that promise comes with a responsibility. That responsibility is to share it with others. I'm not naive and I am not foolish. I know That I cannot change the world. I know that I cannot get rid of all of the evil. And I know that there will always, no matter what I do, be ugliness in the world. But I can affect change when I allow myself to be affected. And I can affect change in others. And with that change, my hope and my prayer is that all of those people will have the strength and the courage... To affect change in others. My friends we have a new year ahead of us tomorrow. It starts in less than 24 hours. And we have a promise of a new life. Whenever we walk with God. And we lean on our Savior Jesus Christ. In our journey of faith. So I challenge you today. To find your passion for God. If you've lost it. Look for it. It might be under your bed. You never know. Stoke the flames of your passion for God. Whatever they may be. And be willing to make a resolution to serve God and your church with your testimony in whatever form you can. No longer be content to follow your routine simply because it's comfortable. I challenge you to allow yourself to be changed in this new year with a new life. And renew the strength of your faith. My friends, the city that we return to today, I promise you, is full of chaos. It is full of the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we hear it every Sunday and we say it every Sunday. We are not alone. God is with us. We are not alone. God is with us. If you believe this, say yes. Yes. If you believe it, say amen. amen. I promise you, if you claim the promise of hope and of love and forgiveness, your resolution this year can affect change. So I'll leave you with this thought. I. Josh Medlock. In making a new year's resolution. Will you join me. And make a resolution. In the name of the father. of the son. And the holy spirit. Amen.